Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. It is Saturday, February 11th, 2017. And we're back with Mr. Monty. And tonight's call is about Genevieve. Monty, what's happening? Well, um, I'll leave that up to Genevieve. I've got a couple of things I can talk about first. Well, thank you, Monty. I, I'm, I have questions, of course, but uh, I was just calling in. Uh... I would be hugely disappointed if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will not disappoint you. All right. <laughs> Um, but if you want to talk about something, please go ahead, um, and I can save my questions for, for later. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Okay. Um, it says here we have Carl Lentz on the line. Oh, really? Well, what do well, you want? It, it, well, it might oh, well, be Carl. Well, thanks. Or it might, hold on. Thanks a lot. Hold on. It <laughs> might be Carl, or it might be somebody using the name Carl. Hi, I just wanted to let you know it's Arizona John. I made it. Yeah, hello, Arizona John. Hey, John, hang on a second. I'm going to see uh, the one that's Carl Lentz. I'm going to unmute you. Yeah, that's fine. No, that's not you, John. That's there's Carl. Carl, is that you? Your phone was just unmuted. Hello. How you doing tonight, Ted? Yeah, okay. Um, there's uh, somebody else uh, with the name Carl Lentz that is on the call, and I'm trying to get through to them. Oh. So hang on a second. I guess they don't want to talk, so I'm not sure if that's really Carl or if it's just somebody using his name. I know. Maybe he just wants to listen in. Well, could be. So well, maybe he wants to learn something. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, he's one that you could learn from. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Yeah. If if it's indeed the, the Carl Lentz. It's, uh, it's Carl underscore Lentz is the username. And Underdog, no, who you hear is John from Arizona. We haven't Hi, had... John. Hi, is this Monty? Yeah. Hey, it's good to hear from you, brother. Okay. Um, some of the things I'm going to talk about tonight you may find applicable, but out of courtesy, I'm going to let uh, Genevieve pose her questions first, all right? <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, if you, you want to mute me, go ahead. I'm going to be quiet, though. <laughs> okay, hey, Genevieve, Genevieve, are you still there? Yes. <laughs> okay, fire away. Okay, um, back to the schedule of fees and charges. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
a popular topic with me for sure. Um, if let's say the bank, uh, okay, we're presupposing that the bank uh, of America learned that I had published a schedule of fees and charges, and that right. because of that, they did their a little dismissal without prejudice of a court case against me. Right. Okay. That's what that we're, doesn't surprise me. Well, that's what, that's what we talked about last week. And right. I was wondering, let's say they hadn't noticed that I had uh, published the notice, and they had brought a court case against me, then my schedule of fees and charges would have been able to be uh, enforced. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Okay. And now, it's enforceable under their own rules. Well, one another thing that I'm wondering about this uh, schedule of fees and charges is You have said, uh, along with others, that fraud, there's no uh, limit of time on fraud. No, if you allege and can prove fraud, there's no no statute of limitations. You can go back 50 years. It's the one exception to ex post facto. So if I wanted to to make a claim against uh, the, we'll just use the Bank of America. Uh, for having um, deceived me, and well, the, the question is going to be how are you, how are you injured or how are you prejudiced? That's what the court's going to be asking. That's what they're going to be looking for. Well, I was injured monetarily. <laughs> can you can you prove that? Well, if we didn't have a valid contract. And I and I paid them money every month. Then isn't that is that bad on my part because I was ignorant, or is that fraudulent on their part? Well, it could be both. But uh, are you familiar with the term caveat emptor? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, explain it to the rest of us. Buyer beware. Well, yeah, it literally means buyer beware. In other words, there's no law against you. Uh, there's no law against you being a fool. <laughs> and uh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't recover damages. Because you were being a fool. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So, I'm not saying that as a, as a disparagement. I've done lots of stupid things in my life too. <laughs> well, that's am I still on? Am I still on? Yeah, yeah, you are. Hey, I just wanted to say, if it was a fraud, though, even to a fool then it looks very pathetic on the part of Bank of America to pull that fraud upon the fool, and they could still be held liable in what I've studied. 
Yeah, you could, but you're you're not really talking about a, a genuine justiciable issue. You're talking about a PR move. Yeah, I know. But the problem is, the Bank of America pretty much has the courts in their pocket, and uh, as Genevieve is probably full aware of. Yeah, but there's ways to put a stop to that, and the schedule of fees and charges is one very effective way to keep you out of court and to back them up, because the real problem is the bar maggots. So, Bank of America is like any other corporation. They do what their bar maggot council tells them to do. Yeah, that's what I understand. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way. Thank you. I'll probably bring up more about it next week. <laughs> One question at a time. All right. Um, I am writing, in fact, uh, I'm going to just basically say what you mentioned last week. When I need to write the uh, county tax assessor, uh-huh. um, it's just going to be a simple, a simple, uh, probably a one-sentence letter to them. Should it be a letter or a notice? Um, well, it depends on how you want to present yourself. What I generally like to do, because Remember, you're dealing with people that have been just as badly miseducated as you have. Right. All right? So what I like to do, what what my preference is, um, and a lot of times I've gone into court that way, I'll come in like I'm the dumbest hayseed that came in off the farm. I'll say, <laughs> I don't understand. Can you please explain it to me? <laughs> okay. But it's the kind of question you're asking is very, very poignant. It just appears to be a a uh, a question by somebody who doesn't know. Okay, then then what I thought I would do is is basically say what you said. So I'll make it into a letter yeah. and say um, this property. Um, gosh, I can't remember what you said. I have it written down. But basically, well, one one question you could ask is, how did the uh, county or the state? Well, I think you're talking about the county. How did the county acquire a proprietary interest in that property? Well, you know, Monty, I really don't want to get into a dialogue with them. I just yeah. soon put my. Oh, why not? Uh, <laughs> Are you antisocial? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to put my foot down and say, hey, you know, this is, this is, uh, oh, let's see, what have you got? Oh, I had it down. Anyway, um, I'll just say this has been reconveyed. Are you reconveying, trying to reconvey my property back to, to somebody else or whatever it is that you said? Okay, well, this is kind of leading into what the other thing I wanted to talk about tonight. Oh, here, I found it. I found it. Okay, go ahead. Oh, no, I didn't. Never mind. (laughs) Okay. Now, I'm hmm. sorry. Um, It behooves you to check your um, rules of civil procedure in your state. They're going to be fairly uniform from state to state, but um, the only ones I have here in front of me are for Idaho, but 
I think you'll find equivalents in Oregon or Montana or Arizona or wherever. <clears throat> and I don't know if you know this or not. They've just recently um, um, renewed those. They've changed. They've made changes. Uh-huh. Um, and just like they've made changes on the uniform trial court rules, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And also, you're going to have to cross-check some of your state statutes on this. Um, but under this is under the statutes in Idaho, under Title One, courts and court officials. Okay. Okay. Um. <clears throat> About half of that has been repealed. That's one of the big changes. Um, what they're doing is they're putting the rules back under the judicial power. So the Supreme Court's issued new rules for the courts in the state. Courts of, uh, well, all the courts, but courts of general jurisdiction. Now, in Idaho, it's under Title Seven Special Proceedings. Uh, chapter 8, and it's called Change of Names. There's one, two, three, four, five sections there. It's not There's not very much to it. But basically what it boils down to is if um, you can't change your name without a court order. And there's an entire procedure for it. Really? Hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, if somebody is using your all capital letter name, you can say you can demand production of the court order to change your name. Okay. You can do that administratively with a uh, a, pu- a public disclosure request, or um, um, you can do it as an interrogatory or a discovery demand if it's if the thing is in court. Um, but that's all you do is you say, okay, uh, this um, matter is uh, in the name of an all capital letter name, which I do not, I do not spell or sign my name in all caps. So it's got to be somebody else, unless there's been a name, a change of name that requires a court order. Produce it. Okay. And that's reinforced by, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to remind you, the IRCP, the Idaho Rules of Civil Procedure, is now fully under the judicial power. It's no longer under statute. Um, and under Rule 2, it has to do with form of documents, caption, names of, name of parties, language, abbreviation, and numbers. And it starts off by... Form. This is um, caption and name generally. And it says the following requirements apply to all documents filed with the court. Um, they must contain a caption. Remember, the caption is the entire head of the document. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's the uh everything above the body or the text of the document. Okay. That's the caption. It says they must contain a caption 
setting forth the names of the parties. So if you're if you are a party, they have to put your name and title case. And uh, they must contain in the caption the title of the court. Now, a title is a proper noun, which means they can't even put the name of the court in all caps. If they do, they're telling you it's a different kind of court. And then the case number and the title of the document. Then the, uh, it also must, um, another requirement is the title of the court has to commence not less than three inches from the top of the first page, da da da. <clears throat> and it talks about attorneys and what all they have to have in there. Um, like the title of the document must appear at the bottom of each page. Um, Looks like Carl Lentz left. Okay. Now, here's another one that I find kind of curious because they, they, I don't see how they can enforce it. Language of pleadings. Pleadings must be in the English language. <laughs> and I think what brought that on was back in the uh, early 80s, I put an entire brief into <laughs> the Oregon court in nothing but Latin. <laughs> Oh, you oh. rascal. <laughs> yeah. So, um, at any rate, uh, it has to be, I don't see how they can enforce that as far as the English language because, you know, et al., uh, supra, all the uh, res judicata, those are all uh, uh, Latin terms, and they use them day in and day out on their documents routinely and as a matter of convenience. And uh, not only that, but as I pointed out before, there's a million and a half words counting proper nouns. There's a million and a half words in the English language. Over half of them are, are of Latin origin. So I don't see that very enforceable. And then at the bottom it says abbreviations and numbers. Common, abbrevi common abbreviations may be used, and numbers may be expressed by words, or by numerals. Now that's in rule two. Um, now when they get into rule three, on the commencement of the action, um, it says down a little ways here, designation of parties. Any filing party must be designated as a plaintiff or petitioner. And any party against whom the same is filed must be designated as the defendant or respondent. So what they're saying there is, and we just had this happen just a, a, like a couple of weeks, or even, no, about a month ago. An attorney came into a case after it was already in, in, ongoing, and he changed the captions around, and he changed the petitioner to plaintiff, and he changed the respondent to defendant. Oh. He also put, started putting the names in all caps. Now, most every state has um, a statute, and there may even be something in the rules about, um, but in, especially in the statutes, it's a crime to falsify a public or a court document or record. 
It can be a misdemeanor. It might even be a felony. But it is a crime to falsify public records. And that's exactly what that bar maggot's doing when they make those changes. So the way you handle that, uh, per their rules, is, um, and at that point I'm assuming you're in court on some, you know, on some kind of a thing, then you put in a motion to show cause why the attorney and his client should not be held in contempt of court. The motion is also for a subsequent, if they cannot show cause, for violating a criminal statute of the, of the state, falsifying the caption, falsifying the document, um, <clears throat> that the court issue a either a warrant of attachment or a warrant of commitment. The difference between them, they're both in the arrest warrant. They're getting arrested for contempt. Um, and that's not the courts are not only authorized to do that, but under Idaho, that's under again under special proceedings. Um, but the warrant of attachment is if they have, have a prior conviction. In other words, if they have a rap sheet, uh, you can do a warrant of attachment. If they don't, and most attorneys aren't going to have a rap sheet, so you do a warrant of commitment. But they're still, they're both arrest warrants for uh, contempt. That's the basis of their warrant. Okay? Okay. Um, in fact, we're doing that right now in a case that I'm working on that I'm involved in. Um, <clears throat> that's how you use the, their own rules and their own laws against them. Yeah, it's Title Seven Special Proceedings, Chapter Six, Contempt Defined. The uh, contempt in this case I'm on. Um, they repeatedly in, in this uh, case what? The case that I'm currently working on. Okay. Um, here, locally, the uh, other side repeatedly um, failed to comply with the rules of discovery. Because we hit them with interrogatories, <laughs> and they have they only have so long to answer those or object to them. They didn't do either. They didn't do anything. So we did a motion to compel. Uh, they were ordered under the motion to compel. A sanction order was put in, by the way. That's an a interlocutory judgment for costs and expenses. And then um, they were ordered to comply again. They were given additional time. They failed to meet that deadline, so we went into court again. These guys have been sanctioned twice now. And the third time was with an attorney that the other guy hired. And it was um, so we're coming in under this statute and under su subsection 6, assuming this is, or no, five. Um, this is in the how contempt is defined. And under five, it says disobedience of any lawful judgment, order, or process of the court. We're not even out of pretrial. Oh. And already, already we're getting judgments. 
against the other side with an attorney. And when I just put in a, a motion to show cause um, to be followed by a um, warrant, subsequent warrant of commitment on both the attorney and his client, the court didn't waste any time setting up a hearing on that. They set up a hearing the same day. Uh, but they didn't sign the order. So I think what they're probably going to do is dismiss the case because we're the defendants, they're the, or we're the respondents, they're the petitioner. That's the only way to, that the court can get out of this thing and still not nail that attorney. And will you be so, happy with that? Um, Not entirely, but... You know, we're anticipating it, so we're going to turn around uh, within a half an hour and file a different kind of lawsuit that they're not going to expect, <laughs> and we're going to hit them with interrogatories again. And they don't dare answer the interrogatories because if they do, if they don't, they're going to be in contempt again, and if they do, they're going to go to prison. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well so, done. <laughs> Well, it's like I put in my handbook, you know. It's When I write this stuff, um, I use the tar baby mm-hmm. analogy. In other words, you, you if you grab a hold of this thing, you'll, you're not going to let go of it until I, I let you let go of it. Um, I'm seeing a cartoon character with trying to shake it off his fingers and grabs it with the other hand and then... <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, but the main target here is the bar maggot. I really don't give a damn about the his client. Oh. Well, do you think it would be a good idea? Uh, okay, here here's the sentence that that you uh came up with last week when I'm writing the um tax assessor. And right. that is according to the public record this property that you're trying to tax no longer belongs to that fictional entity that you put on the bill. And right. So your question is, why are you sending this bill to me? Right. And if, and they, if they're sending it to you under the all-caps name, which you said they weren't. Correct. But if they did send it to you under the all-caps name, then you could say, okay, where's the court order that changed my name? Well, the the envelope has it addressed to the title case name. Right. But inside, the tax statement slash bill only has the all caps name. So Okay. Well, that's what you take issue on when you write your letter. You say, I don't understand. You sent me a letter to me in my proper name. Ah. Um and it contained a bill to somebody else. Where, where's your enabling authority to do that? Okay. That's because in addition to the other statement. I'm thinking that if I, if I ask them a question such as that, uh-huh. and they don't respond, then is there anything I can do to, to, uh, uh use that non-response as like a full stop on this whole thing. No, what you if they try to run it they have to run through a process if they're going to try to foreclose on the tax bill. 
um, at some future point. And if you keep, uh, you know, copies of these letters and stuff, that's why it's important to do a dialogue with these people. Because then, if you keep copies, you can show the court on the later thing. Because uh, you can you can enter into the uh, they have to go through a court to uh, get a a uh, writ of execution. Uh, at which and they have to notice a few of that. So uh, you can come into the court and say, well, I acted in good faith. I asked them a question, and they never did answer it. I'd like it answered. I'm not refusing to comply. But I mean, you know, if if Joe Blow out here uh, sends me a bill and I don't even know who he is. I I think I have a right to question the bill. And is my schedule of fees and charges in effect now with the county? Um, only if you can prove an actual deprivation of your rights. They haven't done anything to you yet. Oh, okay. All they do is send you letters. You know, sticks and stones. But when they actually do something that actually injures you, yeah, then it kicks in. Um, you could buy construction, but that's not as strong a position. You could buy construction, uh, allege that you have a right to uh, be secure in your person and property, and that includes your peace of mind without worry. Um, and they have deprived you of that. What do you mean by construction? It means there's no direct hard evidence of an injury. Oh, I if see. If you construe an injury from that. Okay. In other words, an example of that is direct evidence is where you have a, a, a first-hand eyeball witness or you have a document with a signature on it, da-da-da. Those, those are articles of direct evidence. Indirect evidence is where um, it's evidence of your intent by your conduct. That's referred to as indirect evidence. And indirect evidence is only treated as evidence through construction. Well, if he didn't intend to do this, why do you keep doing this? Okay, it's based on your conduct. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. And I'll think about it and have more questions for you later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, just don't, don't blow any fuses while you're doing while you're thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have. I, I look. I better not. I only have one fuse left. <laughs> fuse blower, you. <laughs> I can't help it. Um, let's see. I can still hear you, but I'm going to set the phone down because I have to blow my nose, and I don't want to blow snot in your ear. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Keep talking. What a gentleman this guy is, huh? <laughs> <laughs> So do you have do you have any more questions? I still hear you. Okay, I've got. Well, um, if other people have questions, I'll get off and and. Uh, I don't think they do, but let me put the call out. If you got any questions, hit star eight on your phone, and we'll call on you. 
star eight rule. Anybody has any questions? Okay, somebody in Wyoming has a question. So if you want to wrap it up real quick, Genevieve? Well, I'll, we'll, I'll just get off. And, okay. um, and if I have another question later, I will call in. Um, but how come I am blocked? You're going to warm up that last fuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're unblocked, Genevieve. Look closely. I, well, no, it doesn't say that. Log back in. Log out and log back in. Okay, I'll log out and come back in. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. The highlight of my week. (laughs) Isn't that pathetic? Oh. (laughs) I I need to get out more often. (laughs) Oh, bless you. Bye-bye. Wyoming, you're Yeah, go ahead, Wyoming. Your phone just unmuted. Hi. This is Ray. Um, I actually have a Wyoming number, but I'm in Denver. And I have a question um, regarding, um, I was recently accused of having outdoor storage, and I probably should have called a long time ago, um, but my our schedules just never converged, it seems. Anyway, the question is, um, I tried to do the... Um, I tried the interrogatories and, you know, get them against the city, that is, um, get them to respond. And they, and I also did a motion to show cause. Um, I consistently asked um, to to face my accuser and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, they just denied all of my motions without any real consideration, uh, regardless of what it was. It didn't seem to matter. Um, and then when they failed to respond to the interrogatories, they said, oh, well, this is a criminal case, um, and so there are, there's no interrogatories in a criminal case. Um, and I thought well, that was yeah, kind of you have, weird. You have, you have equivalent discovery rights in criminal. Equivalent discovery, yes. equivalent discovery rights. I have no idea what that means. Well, I mean, it may not be called interrogatories, but you have a right to know the nature and cause against you, and that can entail a great many questions which are equivalent to interrogatories in a civil case. Oh, I see. Um, which is what I figured, and I mean, and so I, my question was, okay, if this is a national crime, then where's the injured party um, who's bringing the claim? I, I've yet to face my accuser, and I've challenged the jurisdiction of the court, and they, they literally ignored every single document that I um, submitted and just continued uh, with or without me. Are you charged with a crime, or are they merely using criminal process? Well, they're calling it a crime, but as we know, there's no crime without an injury. Well, I understand that, but is there... um, So it is a criminal statute in uh, in that state? Correct. I mean, pretty much, it seems that all the statutes are criminal in some way, shape, or form, regardless. Well, not necessarily. What grade of crime are they alleging? Um... They don't actually. Oh well, one of the the so-called prosecutors said called it a quasi, quasi criminal or what is it? Quasi case or quasi? They call it quasi criminal. I think is what he said. And I'm like, that's not even a thing. Um, but nevertheless, that's what. No, they no. Said. 
when I say the criminal grade, is are they treating it as an infraction, a misdemeanor, or a felony? Oh, um, I actually don't know because, I mean, they... Probably should find that out. <laughs> well, it's not a felony, I know that much. Though they did threaten me with jail time, you know, on several occasions. And I'm like, really? Um, they put you in jail for what? Exactly. I mean, there's... it's. It, Denver is is a um, a terrible place to be. Um, probably every place, but it seems to be worse here. I've never seen such ridiculous um, statutes that weren't even clearly defined. Um, well, but my whole thing was to just ch- challenge the jurisdiction of the court and not respond to any of the the merits of the case. And um, like I said, they just ignored my motions and continued with or without me. Well, okay. Um, one thing you can do is an affidavit of prejudice and get the judge off the case, off the bench. Well, it's actually, it's already closed now. Um, affidavit of prejudice, but I will keep that for next time. And, and basically their reasoning was that, you know, their position was we can do whatever we want to, and if you don't like it, you can appeal it, which, of course, yeah. costs I'm not, more money. And I've, yeah, and I've heard that before. That's called job security for the bar maggots. Um, right. The um, no, I rather than appeal it, you just do a void judgment. Oh, that's what I was going to call you about. So, how how does that process work? I I know nothing about it. Um, you just file into the case a notice of void judgment, and the basis for the void judgment is uh, there's no enabling authority which empowers them to do what they did. It always goes back to the enabling authority. If they're if they are under oath and they're required to be, their first duty is to keep you secure in your person and property, which includes your rights. Article four, Bill of Rights. So if they do anything to the contrary of that, they have other duties, but that's their first duty, and if they do anything to the contrary in relation to you, then whatever judgment that was rendered is void on its face. And then how is that, I mean, because, I mean, my feeling about that is that, you know, you can file whatever you want on the record, but they simply ignore it and treat it like it doesn't exist. And so how do you... They may may not take cognizance of it, but it's still in the record. So if you ever wanted to take it into a higher court, you could, because it's part of the record. You know, these these courts are fictions. Just like right. government is a fiction, and the only memory it has is what's in its records. That's the only memory it has. Okay. So um, when you put something into that memory, um, it's in the memory. They can't do anything about that. They can have their own opinion about it, but they can't do anything about what's in the memory itself. If they try to alter what's in the memory, then they, they can go to prison. Right. Yeah, they don't seem to alter it, they just want you to believe that whatever they say finally is the final say. Um, Okay, and so what I was going to do is instead of going through their stupid appeals process, um, which costs them, you know, you have to pay $200 for a transcript fee, I'm like, I don't need the transcript. My record is is very clear. I don't, it doesn't, you know... The, the motions were denied without any reason. In fact, I asked, finally asked the judge, um, kind of caught her off guard, and I said, what 
what is the grounds for you denying my motion? Um, I think it was to uh, – I wanted them to show jurisdiction on the record, and and she denied it, basically, and did not ever ask them to – for any jurisdiction, um, and I said, "What what is your grounds for dismissing or for denying my motion?" And she said, "I was under advisement." <laughs> it was really so stupid, but anyway, she says I was under advisement from the prosecution or something. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I didn't say anything in court, but I was just like, "I yeah. thought their job was to discern the law and apply it properly, not just do whatever the prosecution wants you to do, which is just." Well, threat. okay. Um, what you need to do is, um, if um, one of the things you need to do on the point judgment, you're going to have to get a copy, a certified copy of her oath. Okay. And if the oath has her name in all caps, signature notwithstanding, then she's not properly in office. She's not properly in uh, under oath. Uh, and that's sufficient grounds to void the judgment. Interesting. I never heard that one. That's good. Um, but if her name's in title case with signature, that's a different matter. Then you have to take it from the position she had no enabling authority to subordinate your constitutionally protected rights to mere public policy statutes. That's also grounds, more than sufficient grounds to void a judgment. If you want okay. more on void judgment, I'm going to write that down. Well, uh, if you go online, punch in Richard Cornforth. He did a lot of work on void judgments. Cornforth? Yeah. <laughs> Richard Cornforth, void judgments. Okay. All right. Check that out. Okay, now, wonderful. His his work is not exhaustive, huh? Oh, yeah. How do you spell that name? Um, R I C H A R D, and then Cornforth, C O R N F O R T H. I don't know if there's an E on the end or not. I don't remember. If I if I might interject something here, Bob Schaefer and I fought this all the time. In any law in America, I don't care what state it's in, it's in violation of the Constitution, Bill of Rights, Civil Rights, and Human Rights of a native-born American to own possessions. It's an illegal law. They're not laws. They're stipulations or statutes. True laws. Right. Well, okay, what you're raising there, and that's the problem, you're raising a political question, not a judicial one. And the Supreme Court's already said they're not going to entertain political questions. So it has to relate to you directly, as a person, as an individual. Okay. You can't get out there and do a crusade for um, your fellow Americans and all of that. That's political. And there's other apparatus for dealing with that, and they have, they have as much as said so. So you want to stay away from the political questions and keep it purely judicial, which means it has to relate to you personally. And it has to relate to their oath. They have an obligation through that oath. 
to take seniority over everything else. You don't give a rat's ass what the rest of their buddies are doing. It's only what they're doing in relation to you. That's a judicial question. Interesting. Okay, and I have another question. Are you that's the name of the game. Like you want to, um, paperwork yeah, and that, whatnot? That's the name of the game, is you want to impose personal accountability through the oath. All right, so does that answer your questions? Yes, it does, actually. Okay. Um, and I was just wondering, are you available for, for hire? Um, <laughs> no. Uh, about 12 or 13 years ago, I had a, a session of congestive heart failure, and I've been in it ever since. Well, uh, that's, I think that's the same thing as coaching, Monty. Yeah, there's that, too, but it's a little bit, it's not as intense. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, guy in Colorado, why don't you go to youhavetheright.com and then contact me through the website, and I'll see what I can do to hook you up. Okay, and um, I'm sorry, what is your name? This is Tad. I'm the the moderator of the call. Okay, and your email address is there, I assume? Uh, There's a contact button, yeah. So youhavetheright.com. Okay. And somebody on the hey, chat wants to know, what is the name of the judge that you were dealing with? Oh, gosh, I didn't. I don't even know. Gonzalez okay. something um, was her last name. Um, she didn't even have a nameplate. Okay. All right. I will find out. Thank you very much. All right, we'll thank we'll you. talk to you soon. Okay, California, your turn. Hi, Monty. It's Tanya. Hi, Tanya. <laughs> Hi, you guys. Listen, Tanya, I have a you're question. not you're not near Porterville, are you? No. <laughs> All right. No. Um, I have a question since you mentioned what you mentioned about the um about the notice of void judgment. Is that uh-huh. is um is that applicable to the judge denying my ex parte uh, uh application for orders regarding the state uh refusing to abide by Article One, Section Ten? Um, he denied he denied my order without giving any explanation. Right. Did you ask for an ex- explanation? Um, the I did not ask for one. Um, but I and I don't think that I can now with the rules with, with the court rules. I believe I was supposed to ask for one at the time that I filed for the application. Okay, you could still do a void judgment on the basis that you can't find any enabling authority which empowers the uh, state of California or any of its instrumentalities to do or not do a, whatever a particular act. Okay. You can void the judgment on those grounds. Okay. However, that's not going to give me the... Uh, is, oh, Monty, is that would that be appealable the um, the ex parte application, or do I have to wait to the end of the case? Is the state is the case still open? Yes. Okay. Um, you could do. A, you have to check your rules. You can either wait for an appeal on the 
on the final disposition of the case, or you can do a um, interlocutory appeal. Okay. On a point of law, you can always do that. Okay. And that's where you bring up the where's the enabling authority. Okay. Thank you. That's it. Thanks a lot. Okay. Okay. Anybody else got a question? Hit star eight. Star eight on your phone. I guess nobody else has any more questions. I guess they don't want to say anything. I have, I have one, if I might Star ask eight. one. Amani? Star 8. Sure. Star, hit, you want me to right now? Yeah, hit star 8. Now, not that I need to, but I just wanted to get you into the habit of doing that. I did. <laughs> okay, fire away. Okay, Amani, uh, big question. For okay. me, it's not politi- the Constitution is not political. It's true law. It's what the country's founded on. Any of these little baby laws that they make up as you go aren't that are in violation of it are illegal laws. It's you know I don't know how to get around that. It's the truth. Not they're not. Um, I think we went through this a week or so ago. Um, there's two ways that they can go about this. And I've mentioned it before. Either they have to get their authority through the Constitution, or if they don't have that authority through the Constitution, they have to get it through contract law. And I think you'll find that most of the um, statutory things that you're talking about, public policy, are founded are founded on contract law. Well, I made no contract with them that they could come and steal my possessions or... Uh, and tell me what I can own and where I can own it. That's an illegal concept, and I'm in the wrong country if that's what we have to have. <laughs> uh, well, I won't argue with that. As far as it's kind of like uh, when Rehnquist um, first took his position as Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He was doing a little bit of house cleaning at the time, so I wrote him a like a three-page letter. And um, I validated him for doing some of the things that he was doing right as far as cleaning up the judiciary. And then I spent, which didn't take very much, and then I spent the rest of the letter chewing his ass out on things that he needed to put his attention on, going all the way back to Chief Justice Marshall. I'm basically telling you, you're exercising powers that you were never given. What was the response? Zero? No, the the response was kind of interesting. It took about two months. <laughs> but the the response was a government-sponsored arson fire that reduced me to what I was wearing. Oh, my God. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, literally uh, everything. My transportation, tools, my home, everything. All up in smoke. I was reduced to what I was wearing. That was their response. <sighs> wow. <laughs> yep. Well, I won't even discuss 
all that I know on those fronts. Uh, yeah. But, but you I, know, I, I, as, as you can see, I, as you can see, I want my sense of humor. Yeah, in one night, on a certain matter, around the time of Teddy Roosevelt, five courthouses burned on the east in various states that contained the records of certain transactions, and they were all destroyed. And the government says, see, there's no evidence. I'm not even going to go into what it was about. And they they were really fond of five, really fond on of one night. Sure, five on one night. Absolutely, Seriously, that was a coincidence. Yeah, force majeure. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry that I, I I as a native-born American of the land apologize to you for such things being done to you, Monty. I know you're a good man. Well, yeah. I've had the training. If I wanted to take one of them out, I could, but I don't. Yeah, well, and then that doesn't do any good either. You know why? But because they'll probably replace him with somebody worse. That could be. <laughs> I can't even imagine anything worse. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, um, the thing you is, know, all I'm doing, all I'm doing is I'm advising people the best way. Because right. they're, not deal- they're not dealing with the guys calling the shots. They're dealing with the flunkies down below, half of whom or more have been just as miseducated as everybody else. And so the recommendations I'm making to people here is how to stay out of their courts and just back them off. If you go into well, the attack mode, then you're at war, and you'd better be prepared Uh you know, I've, I've actually served everybody from the president on down years ago my solemn recognition of mixed war. Do you know what that does? Uh, probably just makes it pretty rough on you. Well, mixed war, of course, is where the government's waging war on its own people. Yeah, well, we know that. They're doing it every day. Yeah, but when you do a solemn, written, solemn recognition of that, you're changing the rules. You're changing the rules to the rules of the battlefield where there's no such thing as murder. It's only lethal self-defense. Wow. Okay? And I've um, served everybody from the president down to the janitor at the local school with that notice some years ago. But you have um, to understand that um, the same thing applies to their side. There's no, They can't be charged with murder if they take me out. The rules of the battlefield. Rules. Of well, war. back to our fascist dictatorship counties who don't believe in freedom and and are communists. How do since they're operating under some form of a contract law that I have never seen or know nothing of? Well, how do I uh, just slide right on out of that contract law? Um. <clears throat> By asking the right questions at the right time in the right place, because what you're doing is you're setting them up for a federal suit. I already took them there once, and the, it lasted yeah, a year. Yeah, and then of course, how, it's a matter of how you do it. Yeah, well, they were all in cahoots, and here we go. You know, I, I've been to every court, and all the way to district court, federal district court, 
and they're all in cahoots, and they all just rubber stamp what the lowest court on earth does. It'd be right. wrong as so, hell. Do you have a uh, an assembly down there? A what? An assembly. An assembly of what? The people. Uh, There's various assemblies formed all over the country. New York's got not, one very, very uh, big and powerful one. You know, I haven't heard of it. I, I don't know. No, the people have the right to assemble peaceably. Well, sure. I agree. Okay. And you form a, uh, it's almost like a political party in a way, but it, but it's not. And it's just an assembly of the people, and it ties into the posse commentatus, it ties into militia, it ties into all of it. It's well exercising their authority, and, a, and if you have an assembly, then you can bypass all the bullshit from the courts and the bar maggots and have the assembly uh, convene a common law grand jury. And there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, most of the people down here are afraid to do anything because they hate to have to deal with this crap. Well, I'm sorry, but that's part of the cost of admission of being in this country. Just no, like I understand. Duty, just, just like jury duty and whatnot. Part of the, part of well, the price. They've made uh, their zoning rules, and I looked it up, is something for Pima County near Tucson, is something like 1,800 or 1,900 pages. is as much as the Bible. Nothing's legal. Everything's illegal. It's a, it's, it's a morass of insanity. And yet they swear by it, they live by it, they breathe by it. It's just fabulous. It's all, all a bunch of lies. And in it, if a code compliance officer comes to your property and says, here's a violation, he writes you out a ticket for whatever the hell he wants, and, and literally the pin on the grenade is pulled you can, mm -hmm. by the complainer. The complainer can be a criminal. He could be a homeless person. He could be... A Muslim extremist, but that complainer is given more rights now on that property than the person owning it and paying the property taxes, and you can't get the pin back in the grenade. There has to be a law in this country that you can put the pin back in the grenade and stop it. You can't spend the rest of your life because of one lying complaint, you know, fighting it. That's my consensus. It's just ridiculous. They're, if if they can complain, how's come the person complained about that's paid them forty or fifty thousand in property taxes doesn't have a right to contest it, and then it just stops. It, okay, have here you, I've been fighting this one thing for ten years. Okay, have you read my handbooks? Uh, I'd love to read it. I suggest you do so because I've what I pointed out in the handbook. The problem is not the government, because all it does is reflect where the people themselves are. The problem is not the government. The problem is the people. So you lay out some steps to where you can successfully oh, I mean, <clears throat> get rid of it? There's a couple of things um, I've mentioned to people. Is One is... Um, the dueling pill concept. Huh. 
dueling field concept, and I've done this with a, uh, someone wearing a badge, um, and they they receive routine training with firearms and that sort of thing. And I basically told them, I said, uh, if you have the courage, I'll meet you on the dueling field, and I'll give you the choice of weapons. Wow. Knowing full, knowing full well that you probably choose firearms. But under the rules of dueling, by the way, you, there's no crime against dueling. They can take away your uh, elective franchise. In other words, you can't vote anymore, but they can't put you in jail for dueling. They can't take away, they never, they, they fully understand, they can't take away your right to defend your honor. So <clears throat> I told this guy, and I said, I'll meet you on the dueling field and give you the choice of weapons. I get to, I get to set the conditions of battle. As long as it's not unfair to one side or the other on a level playing field, um, those you know that's how dueling works. And he said, "Well, what would be your conditions of battle?" And I said, "Toe to toe, muzzles in the mouth, on the count of ten. <laughs> and he said, "Well, nobody'd win that." He said, uh, "Why even bother with the count of ten? And I said, "Because I want to give you time." to consider what value you place on your honor. I already know what mine's worth. Well, I believe in honor. There's no doubt about it. But um, I was that's hoping to... That's a pretty I was hoping to handle this in some legal fashion other than that methodology. Um, well, I'm not recommending that people do that. I'm just saying that that's the, the degree of commitment you have to have if you're going to put a price on liberty. Well, I've been fighting for freedom in America now since 1983. The right of a U.S. native-born person to own possessions on his own land. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a it's a guaranteed right. It's not political. It can't be black, white, red, or any other color. You can own it. You can own it. Right. You can own it. You know. Okay, but is it worth your life? Because it was not. Well, I've already, I've already been surrounded by a SWAT team, because <laughs> I have water harvesting tanks in a dry, drought-stricken desert, and I make huge water harvesting systems. And for that, they want to put me in prison or kill me, or find me till hell freezes over. Yes, I, I'm already there. So. Okay. Right, so we got some more people well, that have some questions so that we have to I'm, get to. Oh, I'll so let you go. Understand this. I'm not advocating that kind of behavior. I'm just saying that's the degree of commitment you have to have. Well, evidently, I got a pretty high degree of commitment, or I wouldn't be here since 1983. I can't. I understand you perfectly. I understand you, know, you perfectly, okay? Thank you. Thank you, yeah. brother. All right. All right I'll, I'll go out. Thank no, you. God bless. Just, just stay here. And oh, no. I'll, I'm going to be with you, but I'll be okay. in the background. All right. Hawaii, you're next. Hi. How's it going tonight, guys? Hey. Hey. Pretty good. Um, I just have a, a question. Um, it's kind of a tax-related question. <coughs> if, um, if I'm the owner of a corporation who... Um, say, is delinquent with the IRS, how do they make the link or uh, can they make the link that the, 
the person, myself, the owner of the corporation, ends up being responsible for, you know, the the lack of uh, uh, taxation paid. Okay, you need to look up the term limited liability in terms of stockholders. Um, I was told by the, let's see, I think that was about 83, the head of risk management for the state of Oregon, David White, basically, no, wait a minute, I'm sorry, I'm confusing that with somebody else. This is the state of Washington. Um, <clears throat> the risk management guy there said, basic, no, the corporations division, he said, um, if it's registered with the state, it doesn't matter if it's a corporation, it's a corporation sole or a LLC or whatever it is. If it's registered with the state, it belongs to us, and we can do whatever we want with it. Hmm. So how how that applies to you? That's why I always recommend people do a DBA. That's one exception. It's you, the person, the man, doing business as, and you're under a, a fictitious name. That's common law, and that's one and, exception. And what? And now some people are saying that you know, go go ahead and use your all caps name, but but last week you said that that might not be a good idea. Why would you want to? An all caps well, name has no an all caps name has no rights. It's in the same categories of any other fiction like a corporation. You have rights. Fictions don't. Well, I, I think it was mainly um or just like registering the name, kinda of getting a little off the subject, but but it is interesting is um the registering the name to distinguish their separation. And once the state recognizes the registering of that fictitious name, then they are providing the verification, the acknowledgement. No, what's occurring there is when you make application to form a corporation, you are authorizing, you the man with the right to do so, are authorizing the state to create a fiction. Right? That fiction belongs to them, not to you. They're the ones doing the creating. And all you have in it at that point, and they will acknowledge that, is you have a limited liability interest in that fiction, and that's it. You understand what I'm telling you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, but then the state, uh, as the owner, would also have some limited liability would be the, you know, would be the that's, presumption, that's- yeah, but that's in relation to the stockholders. As far as the entity itself, the corporation, since it belongs to the state, the state has the authority to tax the corporation right out of existence if they want to. Mm-hmm. And then how much ever limited liability does the, st- the stockholders have would be... Um, that's what they got to dig yeah. out of their wallet to cover it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. <clears throat> all right, so does that answer your question? Yeah, I suppose. Okay. Um, all right. All right. Thanks, guys. We're going to go into our uh, final question of the evening. John5917, go ahead. I, I don't, Dan. Oh, oh. Hey there. I want to know how, um, 
how to get the the handbook. Um, um, yeah, Tad, do you want to uh, let everybody know how to do that? Google it for right now. Uh, Errant Sovereign's Handbook. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks, sir. Yeah, okay. It was good listening to you all tonight. I, I <laughs> okay, learned some stuff again. All right. So I think that's going to do it for this evening, Monty. All right. So, well, thanks to everybody for joining in. It's always fun. <laughs> it is. It's going to get a little bit more fun, too, in the future. we got some things coming, so. All right, everybody, thank you very much for joining, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Good night. All right, good night. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.